the first time uh, I asked Ted to, to Zoom for us, uh, I didn't tell him, or I failed to mention that we don't have a dedicated laptop for the center, which is funny because we've been Zooming since the beginning of the pandemic. And, uh, but it had just been the way we did things. Whoever was Zooming brought their laptop. It was usually Alistair. And um, so Ted showed up, ready to roll. <laughs> I looked at him, he looked at me, we looked around. And uh, he ran, I think, <laughs> back uh, to his place for his laptop. And um, it's not about, is that about how it happened? You didn't run. Okay. Thank you. No running. There was no running. Well, it felt like you ran because you had it all going by the time we needed it. So. <laughs> And then I said, oh, do you want to keep doing this? And he said, well, not forever. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> that, that's the Dhamma. That's an all-volunteer, mostly volunteer uh, organization. We make do. We have what we have. Sometimes, I don't know if your families are like this, but I forget I don't need to make do as hard as I'm making do. I could actually just buy a thing, you know. <laughs> like my trash to laptop I could just buy a thing <laughs> but you know we've <clears throat> this community was uh, has really always been kind of um well it's always been uh, in service because of the generosity of others and we don't charge anything for anyone to be here and we don't have any uh, suggested donations you know and so, you know, we've really over the years developed an ethos of doing what we can, depending on our volunteers, you know, asking for what we need when we remember <laughs> to ask for what we need. And it, it's quite beautiful. It's really, really lovely. And then, you know, knowing that even in the best, most uh, flush of corporations, things go sideways and haywire and backwards and things get lost and break and and then the plan is to be kind and get to the bottom of it and do without so it's a really good you know doing doing things doing all the things in this kind of container in this kind of dharma uh, family is a good is good work for what we can bring back into our own homes and our own workplaces when things go wrong first kindness to ourselves oh i brought the lamp out that doesn't work to others why is it working <laughs> to each other you know oh, i'm so bored is she ever gonna look up <laughs> We bring a lot, you know, to, we bring a lot of stories uh, to mind and to heart when we think things are going sideways. Uh, but, you know, the best that we can, um, we try to stay present and um, work efficiently and quickly and kindly and, uh, and just get through whatever it is. <clears throat> 
this week. Um, it's been a little tough in our family. I have uh, middle, middle school aged kids almost. One is going into middle school, one is in middle school. And uh, I don't have particularly pleasant memories of that period of my life. Like at the beginning of the end was fifth grade, you know, until <laughs> I found the Dhamma, <laughs> started to write the ship. Um, but I knew as this time was coming on for my family that I would have to um, not project my old stuff onto my kids, you know, onto my uh, partner. <clears throat> you know, oh, who's, who's, uh, who's clicking up, who's, you know, gossiping, who's going behind others' backs, who's friends with who, how's everybody getting along, et cetera, et cetera, as, you know, these things can get kind of complicated in the classroom around this age. And uh, so we did come up against something with my daughter and a friend, and uh, she had kind of kept it to herself for weeks, actually, which was really heartbreaking. She was hoping it was just going to sort itself out. She didn't know what to do. She didn't want to start a problem. Uh, but ultimately, she did confide in me that um, she was having a tough time with a former friend. <clears throat> and so we talked about it and then I reached out uh, to my friends for help. And I ended up with a great framework uh, for how to walk us through it. And it, it was a very, uh, I think it's based in nonviolent communication, which I'm not all that familiar with, uh, but it's very in line, it was very, absolutely 100% in line with what we do here. And so it was really easy for me to pick it up and take it on um, and even enjoy the process a little bit. And, you know, what I, what I ended up doing was um, asking my daughter uh, to define her boundaries. You know, so what, you know, as we move through this process, what will you or will you not do with your body you know what rooms do you want to be in what rooms don't you want to be in what people do you want to associate with what people do you not want to associate with <clears throat> what are the boundaries for what your body will be doing including speech you know in our tradition we talk about body speech and mind <clears throat> and how we interact with the world, you know, using our body, speech, and mind. So what will your body, what are you willing to do? What are you not willing to do? And then um, I asked her what her requests would be. So requests are things that you would like to see other people do, um, but holding them as requests. You know? So we're not in control of other people's bodies but we can communicate what we would like to have happen. And so she said that she, you know, her boundaries were that uh, she wasn't ready to spend time with this person, 
that she didn't want to go out of town with this person, which was a plan <clears throat> for the future, um, that she uh, wasn't ready to make amends. She wasn't ready to talk this out. And uh, that she didn't want um, this one school counselor involved. That she would not, her boundary was that she would not talk it out with this particular counselor who isn't trustworthy in our family. <clears throat> and I thought, that's great, you know, okay, those are really clear. And it's not anything about, it, it doesn't place blame, you know, her talking about her boundaries, there's nothing about who's to blame who did what wrong, how it went sideways, none of that. She just had boundaries <clears throat> about what she was willing to participate in now, you know, for this period of time, whatever that is. We didn't actually give it a boundary. We didn't give it a time frame. And then uh, her requests were interesting. There were two requests. Uh, one of was for me, of me, because she knew I would be talking to the family. And the other one uh, was for the friend. And the one for me was, please let them know if I did anything to offend them without my knowing it, that I'm sorry. That's very, I did not have this level of maturity. <laughs> when I was this age. <laughs> so I will do that, you know, absolutely. And then the other request was um, I request that this other person uh, stop speaking negatively about me to our mutual friends. So really clear, really honest, very candid, um, really reasonable. You know, and then we talked more about what to do with the request, you know, because with boundaries, we can hold them. We can hold them tightly. You know? We should hold them tightly or people are gonna be confused, right? Like if our boundary is that we're going to take some space from someone and then we're, we get involved with them a bunch <laughs> and they're going to be confused and we're going to be confused. We want to instead, you know, make a boundary and hold it in order to cut down on confusion and allow the space that we're making to do its work. So creating boundaries, but also holding them, asking for help <clears throat> if we need it to hold them. And then requests, you know, are an interesting, uh, interesting thing because as you know, as Buddhists, we know <laughs> we can't control, well, anything <laughs> really. <laughs> but we can't control other people. 
And most of in our suffering comes from trying to control other people, other conditions, other situations, um, and then really grasping uh, to our desire about how the situation is going to work out or what that other person is going to do, what the, you know, what's going to happen in the future. <clears throat> so holding boundaries tightly, but not holding requests at all. So, you know, boundaries like this, requests is like that. You know, send it out there, give it away, hand it over, <laughs> and let go. But we want to see, we have to watch what happens with the request because it will help us inform our boundaries, right? And so in this case, uh, if my daughter's request is, I request that this person not speak negatively about me to my mutual friends, and they don't do that, they can't do that, they're not ready to do that, then that helps my daughter, you know, decide to hold her boundaries maybe a little bit longer, or maybe she holds her boundaries a little bit stronger. Or maybe she just, you know, kind of lets this whole relationship go for some period of time. We don't know. So we can't, we can't hold that outcome. We, can't, we don't have control over the outcome of our requests. But we can pay attention. You know, we can learn from what happens next. And it can help us... Uh, organize our boundaries and consider next actions or next steps. In this tradition, in this framework, I always think of you know, what's the next right action? You know, just, I try to hold my precepts and um, my activities and my relationships, you know, there's the long view, but there's also just what is, what is the next right action? You know, knowing that if I proceed with skillful action according to this framework, that the outcome will be happiness. It will be goodness. It will be skillfulness. You, know? you can't escape the results of your good actions. <laughs> I try to remember that. <laughs> I can't escape it. It's inevitable. <laughs> so what's the next right thing? And watching people, um, watching what people do with our requests, it just gives us good information. You know, watching what people do with our boundaries, it just gives us good information. And so we don't need to pull up ill will you know, any more than, we talked about this last week a little bit. We don't need to add ill will. Instead, we can just keep learning from what's happening. Easier said than done. <laughs> Easier said than done. <clears throat> but then when, you know, what we sort of uh, landed on as the framework for 
her request actually um, was right speech. So the four factors of right speech, <clears throat> because uh, they're, they were at, the right speech was at the, unskillful speech was at the root of this situation, of course, you know, and um, even not, having heard any of it myself, of course, the parents aren't in the school, we don't know. Uh, but it's pretty easy to see when something's going sideways because of speech. There was no fist fights. You know, that's later <laughs> in middle school, apparently. Uh, it's, it's all about speech. And so to formulate, you know, her request and to give her a framework for thinking through what is skillful and what is not skillful. We talked about the four um, factors of skill, skillful speech. And they are, um, you know, the Buddha talked about them in, uh, in terms of restraining from unskillfulness. So restraining from unskillfulness. And I know that, you know, you all know this, and this is Buddhism 101, that I tell you, it's going to be like four more lifetimes until I'm, I graduate from Buddhism 101 if it has to do with speech, <laughs> skillful speech. That's one of the hardest um, path factors to really get a handle on, to perfect. Why? Because we're talking all the time. I mean, we have to just, that's the way we do. That's being a human in this world. So, um, you know, uh, lying refraining from lying that's the main one that's the big one and uh and the most sort of um uh, <clears throat> lying for one's gain you know is, is a particular purposefully lying for one's gain is the most egregious you know way to transgress lying so you can lie in all sorts of ways, or you can be have a lack of mindfulness, or you can leave things out, or you can omit, you know, facts or whatever. But you know, lying on purpose, purposefully lying uh, for one's gain is a good way to think about it. Is the is the bar? So refraining from lying, and then uh, refraining from harsh speech. So the Buddha uh, talks about how to create harmony and community. And uh, one of those factors is lovable speech, lovable speech. I mean, imagine getting, you know, out of harsh speech all the way to lovable speech. <laughs> what does that look like? You know, uh, so the opposite of harsh, harsh speech, refraining from harsh speech. So not sort of uh, yelling and swearing and um, looking down, you know, speaking down to people and being condescending and um, other ways using a speech to um, upset other people or get our point across uh, in a negative way. Uh, but then, you know, we can, uh, we can think about what is lovable speech, you know, in one of the chants, speech that is true and pleasant to hear, that's lovable speech. Might not be pleasant for the person in front of us, but if it's true and not spoken with ill will, 
then it actually is lovable. There's love there. <clears throat> and then um, refraining from divisive or malicious speech. This is, a, this is what happens in fifth grade. <laughs> this is where it all goes sideways. <laughs> uh, because, you know, and I was very naive. Um, I grew up, I, I moved all over the place and uh, I thought that, you know, my experience was my conditioning as a military kid and as a neurodivergent kid and all these things. And it probably was, you know, to some degree. Um, but my kids have lived in the same place forever. They've been friends with all the kids forever. They've gone to all the schools forever. Uh, you know, they're as neurodivergent as I am, certainly. <laughs> uh, but I thought we had something special at Lincoln Elementary. Oh, they're, they're so nice there. The culture is great. They've really developed a wonderful and all the kids get along and there aren't any clicks and they get, well, then comes fifth grade, right? <laughs> Ages and stages. You know, some things you can't escape, right? It was just a natural sort of, um, at least in our culture and our public schools and our whatever, you know, the way that the conditions are set up are set up for that, you know, leaning into divisiveness around this age. Same as I ever, same as it ever was. Uh, but that's really hard. And uh, it was, it's grounds, you know, in the monastic sangha for a disrobing. You don't divide the sangha. You don't divide Sangha. So I think of divisive speech as this really important piece. Malicious speech, you know, speaking bad about other people, trying to form camps. Uh, incredibly painful. Super, super painful. And the monks uh, come together, you know, every two weeks and they have sort of a, an opportunity to, you know, confess transgressions to each other, precept transgressions, or, you know, questions, where did I go wrong here? Um, and also to ask for forgiveness every two weeks, every two weeks. Can you imagine? That sounds pretty good. Why can't we do that in fifth grade? You know? <laughs> Why can't we do that as lay people? You know, what can we take on here as a sangha that works like that? You know, maybe, maybe there's something we're thinking about or in your families or wherever at your work. Imagine coming together every two weeks at your work, <laughs> at your work. <laughs> I transgressed. Will you forgive me? <laughs> that would be great. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then, um, Refraining from idle speech, so gossip, you know, kind of uh, when Ajahn Chindo was talking about this recently, gathering around the well, you know, <laughs> what are you going to talk about when you're gathering around the well? Uh, the Buddha has lists, of course, you know, they're very specific. <laughs> and 
happiness and meditation, the happiness of liberation, the, <laughs> the happiness of right speech, <laughs> the happiness of harmonious community. That's what you're going to talk about <laughs> around the well. You know? <laughs> Reinforcing when we talk, uh, we have the opportunity to reinforce that which is beautiful to reinforce that which is skillful, to reinforce that which is kind, to reinforce that which is harmonious. Um, that's not idle chatter. That is a beautiful speech that can reform, you know, regenerate, rejuvenate a community, a relationship, a government, a world, whatever, whatever needs it. <laughs> But we don't give enough um, thought to that, you know. And then I like uh, to contemplate the question, although uh, <laughs> I don't think I do it quite as often as I should. But uh, is what I'm about to say going to improve upon silence? So what what am I offering here? They explain expect me to show up and sit here on Sunday mornings <laughs> is what I am going to see you know, is what I'm about to say going to improve upon silence. And we don't always know, really. I would have loved another 45 minutes of silence myself. <laughs> but <laughs> because, uh, you know, this is the role then I, uh, it's upon me to be very careful what I say. Love that. <clears throat> and try to, you know, bring um, the Dhamma and carefulness and skillfulness into my speech. So, um, it's been a, you know, it's been a week. It's been a bummer. Duca, uh, Lee Brasington uh, describes Duca as a bummer. And <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs> it's a bummer. Uh, but these tools are powerful. And applying them, you know, in my own family, applying them to my problems, applying them to my, you know, concerns, it always works. Just, I don't know. It's airtight, I think, this Dhamma. It always works. There's something, you know, there's something. And uh, what they say, you know, at the end of a talk, so I'll, I'll demonstrate. <laughs> uh, sometimes in our tradition, the monastics say, um, yeah, take what is useful and leave the rest. Right. So that's an encouragement, you know, if we didn't really improve upon silence, <laughs> don't hold it. Don't worry about it. Now, did you hear something that wasn't quite right or was offered that you have a, you could pick a bone with? Just if it was really unskillful, bring it up. You know, if it was difference of opinion, general irritation let it go because that will feel better ultimately leave the rest take what is useful and leave the rest 